1: football,
4: energy drinks,
5: beer, more football. Welcome to Bink at Night.
2: Welcome back, Bink at Night. 8 o'clock hour, Jay Binkley, Grit Nicholson producing the operation. Been all over the map tonight. A lot of sports this weekend took place. We previewed it Sunday. Now it's the aftermath. It's what went down. What happens? We sit on the cusp of OTAs for the Kansas City Chiefs. Voluntary. Voluntary minicamp set of three starting tomorrow for the Chiefs. The mandatory mini camp 15th through 17th of June. Then rest before training camp. I assume we'll all be in St. Joe. I guess. I mean, I, I would imagine with the K at full strength. I mean, I don't know what the NFL is going to do. It's their decision. But I expect all the stadiums to be wide open. Training camp wide open. It makes more sense too. So they're all outdoors places, you know. You saw the PGA. You know, so I assume it's all going to be wide open. 913-576-7610 is the phone number. J Southland Toast Service Text Line. 913-576-7610. Our question of the night is: I'm curious, are you more impressed by Phil winning a major at 50 years old, the oldest to ever do it, by two years? Or are you more impressed with Tom Brady winning a Super Bowl seven years younger at 43? I mean. There's some good debating going on there. I lean towards Tom Brady, though. Not going to lie. Although, hitting a golf ball is a different story, too. Tom's not a bad golfer. You ever seen him golf with those uh, celebrity deals they had with Phil and Tiger? Peyton Manning. Did you ever watch those?
1: Yeah, yeah, I watched those before, for sure.
2: Uh, Eli wants to be part of it now. Like, he wants in the spotlight now.
1: A way to get out there. It was fun. I enjoyed watching
2: it. I think those were fun. And again, it was fun, too, because there was nothing else on at that point, either. We were uh, not having the summer this year like we did last year, because last year we got a few things. So we got baseball starting, and we had to wait till July 24th for that. We had NASCAR and some golf sprinkled in, but there was not a ton. Wasn't a ton to do, but Denny Matthews was on the drive today and had a lot of things to say with Carrington, and one of them was how big a game was this for the Royals this year? You can say several games of the year. Maybe that game in Chicago against the White Sox they held on to and won, and I know Vern said it's the best uh, game he's seen on. Maybe it was one of the Brewers' games. They did have a nice 4-1 and homestand. Or was it yesterday against Detroit again? Detroit, one of the five worst teams in baseball, but a team that had swept the Royals. And given the Royals fits in Kansas City, and again, I'll say this, that was the number one overall draft pick in 2018 on the mound, Casey Mize. We talk about the 2018 class for the Royals. That was the number one pick of that class. They have five guys before the season started in the top 25, um, the baseball prospect top 25 list. But anyway, Denny Matthews, what about the walk-off win? One of the biggest of the year or not. Again, Denny Matthews seen it all.
4: Yeah, certainly one of, and I thought it was kind of a stabilizing three-game series. I think that's the best way of putting it, because they did lose the opener on Friday night, so now you're in danger of losing the series. All they have to do is win one out of two, obviously. And the Royals stabilized and put two games back-to-back and played well, and played well enough to win and did the things necessary to win. And so, yeah, I thought it was a, a key, especially after the loss on Friday night.
6: So,
2: really, there's—if you said top three this year, I'm not going to put words in your mouth, but I would go: the White Sox win that 5-1 win the Royals had there um, that split the series in Chicago. Of course, we all know they could have won the series in Chicago had the play at home plate been different. Matter of fact, they'd be 500 right now if things would have gone different. But we can't go back and erase the past. Then I thought that really that Brewers 2-0 win was nice because I put that up there, the nice shutout against the Brewers, very good team. Those are very good pitchers. That was a number two ERA in the National League. The Brewers were throwing against the Royals in that game. Or you could say the walk-off because the way the game started, if you, if you put in like Chris Bubic, you know, holding things down, you know, getting to the bullpen after the rough start in the first inning, you know, you could look at some, some of these games. Even back to that 5-1 White Sox game, they had four stolen bases in that game and did a lot of things. But I think we look at the Royals differently because if you would have lost two to three to Tigers, you'd look at it differently. Then you look at it back. you say 4-1 homestand. You won a series against the Tigers. Um, you didn't drop two straight series to the Tigers because they'd swept you in Detroit, even though the Royals got their second ever four-game sweep in Detroit earlier this year. But if you'd say, what happened lately? Well, they got swept in Detroit and then would have lost two of three at the key to Detroit. So that one at-bat from Santana, Definitely has some uh, ripple effects uh, down to it. Denny uh, also um, gave a few uh, thoughts, especially on Irvin Santana and the hit, the walk-off, his thoughts.
4: Yeah, and he's been exactly what he has been over the last few years, and we saw plenty of him. And he has always done very well at Kaufman Stadium. even obviously is a member of the opponents. And so it's not surprising that he does well in the home uniform. And he'll walk a lot. He's a very disciplined hitter. He's very solid defensively. He's not going to steal 103 bases, but he doesn't have to. That's not his job. But, yeah, I agree with you. He's exactly as advertised.
2: He lived up to everything, didn't he? When you got Carlos Santana, this is what you expected. Like he's lived up to exactly none of that. He's rubbed off On the younger, we talked a lot about Santana earlier, but I think he deserves to be talked about. Carlos Santana
1: is a big part of this team. He's been a huge part of the team. I mean, he's been one of the catalysts in like multiple, multiple wins. Him and Salvi, I think, are probably the probably wit, I guess, too. But
2: and then, of course, you know, Diddy Matthews, as good baseball announcers do, they always have that knack for calling things, right? Like baseball announcers just can sense things and feel, not all of them do, some of them do, the good ones do right? You've heard Ryan Lefevre call home runs in the past. Denny, I've heard him do it before. Well, this feels like a home run here. Or the call against the Angels in the playoffs because I'll let the crowd tell you what happened. And it's a strikeout. Like, you're not going to do that if he gets a base hit. Like, he knew and sense what was going to happen. I'll let the crowd tell you what happened. And then he said, for the record, that was a strikeout. So, when Denny Matthews says things like that, but He also kind of called his shot yesterday with the Kansas City Royals. Denny has seen it all and done it all, but you get these sense of when things are going to happen. And uh, Denny Matthews yesterday, this is when he thought the game was over.
6: We keep seeing it over and over and over. Ryan and I were talking about it a couple of innings ago, and a team takes an early lead and then fails to add on invariably it will come back to bite them. We've been having the feeling the Royals are gonna come back in this game all afternoon and a high drive deep right center. Back goes Jones to the wall and down. What did I just tell you? Santana wasting no time, got a fat pitch and hit it to deepest right center. Over the wall, it went. The Royals have an exciting, if not somewhat predictable, win and win the series. Two games to one, and the guys celebrate as they make their way to the dugout. Royals win it 3 2. We'll be right back. I mean, he was just all over that, wasn't he?
2: Since it could happen, could tell. He's seen so many games. When you sit there and watch, he's a Hall of Famer. When you sit there and watch every Royals game, and you got to think, too, like how many wins and losses he's called. Like, he's called a lot of losses, too. All baseball managers do. Because even in great years, you're still calling over 60 losses. Even 100-year wins, you're still calling 60 losses. And so he was talking to the drive as well, and – was asked about that, about calling his shot in that game. Well, we started
4: talking about it midway through the game because when the opponent scores first, and they got two in the first inning, and then had plenty of opportunities to add on and didn't. In other words, they left the Royals in the game. They stranded nine runners throughout the whole game. That's a bunch. So they didn't do a thing to add to their lead. And so that always gives the opponent a chance to come back. And I've always had a a saying about bullpens, and they use three pitchers in the last three innings. The more pitchers the other manager brings in, the more chance you have of seeing a pitcher, I don't care how good he is, but on a given day he just doesn't have it. He doesn't have his good command or his good stuff or either one and you can take full advantage. And I just had the feeling from the fifth inning on that the Royals were going to come back and win the game somehow, some way. Well, they waited until the very last inning, and it took a an infield hit, and Merrifield is on with the infield hit, and then Santana comes up and deposits the, the pitch over the wall in right center field, and that was that. And so it, it just started making sense about the fifth inning. And obviously, there's, there's no guarantees. I mean, if the wind had been blowing in a little bit, that long drive by Santana could be caught. He could have hit into a double play, and the Royals could have lost two out of three. But sometimes, Carrington, you just get a feeling.
2: So you just get a feeling. Just take Denny Casino with me, right? You can imagine a roulette table playing with Denny. I have a feeling. I a feeling 19 here. I mean, why not? Why wouldn't you? Josh Vernier, by the way, Alberto Mondesi that's gone back and forth, Northwest, Omaha, to figure out the rain where it's because this whole Midwest has been kind of rainy. But anyway, Vernon goes on with Fesco in the morning at 745 each and every Monday. And this what he had to say about Mondy when he thinks he's going to be back for the Royals, which could be tomorrow. The necessary step for Adelbert Mondesi, according to Mike Matheny, this weekend was playing a full nine innings. Hadn't done it until Friday night. Did it all weekend, so... Uh, Yeah, I'm expecting to see him during this road trip. Wouldn't be surprised to see him in the lineup so long as everything medically is checking out, and I would imagine it is if they're running him out there for a full nine innings. I would expect to see him coming up tomorrow in Tampa. I do too, taking that to the bank. Vern's been nails on these things. It just makes sense. But Vern was all over that Danny Duffy news. There was really nothing to worry about. He's going to be nails on this one too, I think. I would say Mondi comes back tomorrow. I'm with Vern on this. You?
1: I mean, I don't know. It's kind of a tough tough call, but, I mean, that's definitely the direction it's going, right? I trust Vern in all situations. it be a situations. nice little pickup
2: playing against a team like this. Yeah, you trust Vern, right? Whenever
1: you hear Vern on the radio, you just feel good. You're like, okay. Like I never
2: tell him that to his face, but <laughs> since he's probably not listening, I'll t- I you trust Vern.
1: He just oozes confidence when he's on the Yeah, air.
2: I trust Vern. But here was Denny's thoughts on Mondesi coming back, kind of in a nutshell, what he thinks about Mondesi.
4: Well,
1: he's a terrific player, and his biggest problem
4: has been the ability to stay healthy. And if you're on the sidelines, you can't help your team. And if he is in the lineup almost every day, he's going to make an impact. He's just that type of player. He can help you offensively. He can help you defensively. He's a good base runner. He can steal bases. He can really do a lot of things to help you win a game. And so he's a very, very valuable member of the team if, that's a big if, and it always has been for him, he can stay healthy and stay on the
2: field. I hope Mondesi can stay on the field. I mean, this is one of the things you want to see the guy do is stay there and play. Now, Give me 130. Give me 130 games. Get healthy. Because I don't want him going down as the biggest what if. Like, what if Mondesi would have stayed healthy? What if Monty carried over what he did in September to the start of the season? What if Monty finally develops into who we think he can be? We know the defense will improve when he gets a shortstop. He steals bases. I mean Willie Wilson I'd put there with Mondy. But I don't know if Mondy is just naturally better stealer at bases than Willie. Willie was I mean, Willie's one of the best base stealers I've ever seen with the Royals. I've seen them both. I don't know, but Mondy's just so naturally gifted that when he's gone, he's gone. Especially if you play him'll beat the show. He's never caught. But regardless, that's What he's got to do, he's got to stay. Ned Yost said it one time too, back when he was manager. He said, You know, he's starting to learn to go to the training table, like he didn't do that. You know? I don't know, if it's a sign of weakness in clubhouses or what, but he's starting to go to the trainer, do some things. He's got to take care of himself, but he needs to play because you can't help the team. Like, we're, we're gonna be almost in June here, and you haven't seen Mondi yet. Thought we'd see him a lot earlier than this when he first got hurt, but we haven't seen that. What we have seen. Is a lot of no hitters in baseball. Seen six. And only three teams. Cleveland, which I always said can't hit. And now they're going to be worse off without Reyes. I know they have a better record right in the world. Look for them to slide. I mean, I like, I I like some of the slides that potentially can happen with with the teams in this division. Seattle, Texas. The only three teams have been no hit twice. That's an unbelievable feat. I hope someone gets a trifecta. It gets no hit three times. That would be that would be impressive.
1: I hope it's the Indians. Me too. And I hope it's the Royals.
2: There you go. They do the no hit Who's gonna get it? Singer, Bubich? Duffy gonna come back and do it. Keller gonna do it. Uh, Miner gonna do it.
1: Uh, let's go, Duff man. Why not? Duff man. Yeah,
2: sure. I'll go Singer. It's a game that looks like it could rain. And he just wants to get the game over, right? And he's just dealing.
1: He just comes out just flames. Just dealing.
2: Yeah. Yeah. But anyway, Denny Matthews gave his thoughts. Is there too many no-hitters in baseball?
4: No, no-hitters are freaks. It's just a, a freaky thing. They're like triple plays. And the, the Yankees, I think, had one a couple of nights ago. No, double, um, triple plays are freak events. So are no-hitters. And great pitchers have pitch no-hitters. Guys who maybe won 12 major league games their entire life have pitched no hitters. So it's just one of those freak things where everything goes your way. Every line drive is caught. A couple of really good defensive plays are usually a part of every no hitter. The pitcher obviously has to have good command and get an occasional strikeout. But again, there have been strikeout pitchers who have pitched no hitters. Look up Nolan Ryan there have been a lot of finesse pitchers who have pitched no-hitters. So that would tell you that everything has to fall just perfectly for a no-hitter, even more perfectly for a perfect game. But, uh, yeah, you never know when they're going to pop up. Are there too many? Well, I hope not because if there are maybe 20 no-hitters this year, they might lower the mound again. And, boy, that would be the worst thing possible for baseball, wouldn't it?
2: Well, they're already working on moving that mound back Is one of the experiments in baseball because hitters can't hit. And I know that the analytics and everything goes into that launch angle. It's home run or strikeout, whatever you have. But this is what I thought was interesting because you wanted to get Denny's re- opinion on replay. I'll play this and I'll react to it after the break. But replay has been a hot topic. Do you like replay? Do you hate it? Personally, I like replay a lot. But here's what Denny said about it.
4: Well, I... I didn't know about instant replay when it started. I was going to wait and see how it worked out. If if it's done quickly, if they get it right, then that's wonderful. But I don't think you have – if you're going to use instant replay, then don't take into account what the re, what the umpire did on the field and let the guys looking at instant replay decide – Not on what the umpire called initially, but on what everybody sees on the instant replay. And get it done in a hurry, and I think it's fine. Most of the time, they get a close call correct, and that's what they were after when they introduced instant replay.
2: I'll address that in a second with instant replay. I want to see what the—I know what you're thinking. I know exactly what you're thinking because the generation you happen to be in. But I happen to think to be in the same boat as you. I'll explain next. at night. Welcome back to Big and I.J. Binkley, Grant Nicholson. Tornado in Selden, Kansas, showing video of it. Grant's a storm chaser as well.
1: No, I am not.
2: Hmm. I've done it. I've never been on TV describing how the tornado came through, though.
1: I used to be bad with tornadoes. I, I don't really mind them too much anymore, but I'm not seeking them out. I think that's absurd. Well,
2: it just depends on what you like, man.
1: I like being alive. That's, really enjoying
2: that. You can chase them though. Well, some storm chasers do bite it, get a little too close to it.
1: I saw the movie Twister. I'm not messing with that.
2: It's movies. It, uh, but saying, that does happen I'm though, no saying. question. Um, but anyway, we were talking about this. Instant replay. Once again, Denny Matthews on the replay.
4: Well, I I didn't know about instant replay when it started. I was gonna wait and see how it worked out if if it's done quickly. If they get it right, then that's wonderful. But I don't think you have – if you're going to use instant replay, then don't take into account what the what the umpire did on the field.
2: Boom. Said it right there. Agree with him 100%. I like replay. I understand that thing in Chicago didn't work out like you thought it would. Did, did they bring in the human element of it? Oh, we can't show them up here because the fans in Chicago are going to go nuts. They're ruling at home plate. Like you got to take all that out of the equation. I've always thought you shouldn't have umpires take a rotation and be in New York in the command center. Right? have an have an individual that's not an umpire doesn't know these guys. Right? Just call the right play. But I agree. I agree with Denny there. The play that was called on the field, and again, you're going against people that saw it with their own two eyes. But oftentimes, we've seen like, what the hell did they see with those two eyes? Because we're half lit at the bar and can tell right away he's safer out. You know what I'm saying? But I like what Denny said there. A lot of times, okay, what they rule on the field, okay, we'll stay with what they ruled on the field. I like just take that out of the equation. Safer out. You make the call. You're watching the replay. Don't, I mean, they're not supposed to. They can't reverse the call. I get that. But sometimes they'll lean towards what the call was on the field. I like replay, though. Grant, I put words in your mouth and said that you're a younger guy, you're going to like replay. I just assumed Maybe I had that Denny Manthes feeling. Was that right?
6: Yeah,
1: you assumed correctly. Yeah, yeah, I'm in mean on replay. But I agree. I think if you're going to take the time to go and look at the play, just decide what the right answer is. I really don't care what the how the umps on the like on the field feel. I just really don't care. Just get the call right.
2: Yeah, just get the call right. It's what we all want to see. I I do think we're to point out you can't take answer replay away. You can't do it. Once it's there, it's there, man. You can't take it back because well, you, you can't, you can't go backwards. Angles. But everything is technology now. Yeah, All the way too around the ballpark we'll is. we see everything. Everything is. Yeah. You order food from an app or your seat. Yeah. Yeah. We're in 2021, man. You don't have to get up, so they'll deliver it right to your seat. We you can, can adjust seat. your air conditioner heater from your cell phone. You know, or open your garage or with your cell phone. Oh, I didn't shut it. Boom. Hit it yourself. You know,
1: see what I'm saying? They got someone sliding in the first base in like 4K. Like, we should know who's safer out, regardless of what the guy in the field has felt. Now, they do have a replay technician
2: that stays there, but the other crews take their time and go visit. I wonder if they're staying extended times there, like the umpires are doing. You know, umpires now are staying at the series for the homestand. They used to leave after every series. You'd see a fresh umpiring crew. Because you build up, you know, agendas against the umpires, or maybe they build up agendas against certain managers. They gotta get rid of that. I think go back to having those guys travel every time. I think we're to a point now where they can let them do that. But instant replay should never go away. But I agree with Denny. Who cares what they said on the field? Like take that out of the equation. Don't sit there. Well, what would they call it on the field? Don't even don't even think of that. Just make your judgment from 4K out safe. That's simple. Make the decision. Stand on it and do it. But I don't think we're in any position to take it away. Matter of fact, I'm 100% for the robot umps. I really am. It's not taking anybody's job away. The umpires still needed there at home plate.
1: Well, they do it in tennis. Save. Huh? They do it in tennis. You get the right answer in tennis immediately. It takes like 15 seconds to do replay in tennis. Just have the box there. Is it in? Is it out? It takes three seconds.
2: Yeah, you can do that. Maybe you still need somebody, you know, relaying ball or strike, if that's what they're going to do. I'm not sure what they're doing with the robot. I'm just, you still need the ump there for, for safe or out. And I think the umpires, they had to get used to replay, like being wrong, because they love to be right. Umpires like to be the show a lot. And same with the NFL referees. Like Ed Hockley, always wore like two sizes too small of a shirt. So you could see the pythons, right? First down, you know what I mean? Pointing to it. So you could see the biceps and say, oh, man, that ref works out. I mean, he loved that. crap. He probably went back and watched games he refed.
1: He just recorded them, and he's like, yeah, look at me. Look yeah, incredible. look at the types. Look at this call I had in the third quarter.
2: I should be wearing an XL, but I'm wearing a small, you know. Suns out, guns out type thing. They, they like being the show, and we should never know their names. Just like offensive linemen, you never want to hear their name called. Just go out and play. Don't get a holding penalty or anything else. We don't want to know you played. But don't take it away. I know they're experimenting with robot umps in the low A level. I'm for expanding replay, not retracting it. I'm for getting it right, though. It's called accountability. If the umpires you're putting in New York can't get it right, don't put them there anymore. Hire somebody to do it. The baseball teams that took replay seriously in the beginning, are the teams that started saying, wow, these are game-changing plays. Sometimes baseball comes down to one player or not. Like Bill Duplicy and the Royals have been really, really damn good at replay. They have made decisions that have won games for the Kansas City Royals. The art of replay. Whether you take it seriously or not is up to the teams. But I believe it's here to stay. Let's just get it right. I mean, I heard some crazy stuff last week. Like, well, I we'll would just get rid of replay. It's not working. Get rid- no, don't get rid of it. Fix it. Fix the problem. Don't sell your car because it's not running. Go get it fixed. Unless it's unrepairable. You know what I'm saying? Regardless, the Julio Jones, where's he going to end up? There's only really three guys I'm really interested in where they're going to end up. One's the Sean Watson. I don't know how that thing's going to end. Aaron Rodgers. Not sure how that bad boy's going to end. And then there's Julio Jones. But we might have some action after June 1st. Talk about Julio Jones next. Benk at Night. Welcome back to Big at Night. Jay Binkley, Grant Nicholson. A segment away from the worst people I saw this weekend. The get off my yard, get off my lawn type of segment. Grant, you've looked up strawberries. Who'd you say didn't eat them? I can't remember. Tom Brady. Oh, Tom Brady didn't eat strawberries. He doesn't
1: eat strawberries. You want me to figure out if they were high in fat or not?
2: Yeah, I thought that uh, eating, like,
1: fruits is good for you. They're fat-free, sodium-free, cholesterol-free. Then why don't we eat them? They're also a good source of potassium and fiber. It sounds good. I thought it was a weird thing. I looked it up. I figured it was some sort of weird health benefit or whatever. No, yeah. it turns out he just doesn't like the smell. Okay. According to a tv 12 blog post.
2: Okay, so it's the smell of strawberries.
1: That's what we got to do in the Super Bowl next year.
2: I always thought it was good for you to eat, like fruit and vegetables, right?
1: Yeah, it is good for you. But Tom Brady does his weird diet. Next next Super Bowl, we just got to bring a bowl of strawberries. Leave them outside his hotel. Scare them off.
2: So he yeah, that's a good idea. Have people dressed like strawberries.
1: In the stands, absolutely. Yeah. Big arrowheads on the front.
2: So strawberries scare Tom Brady.
1: He doesn't like the smell. I guess I don't know if they scare him. but
2: They need to put strawberry cologne on. Defensive line.
1: Yeah, give him a stomachache. Yeah. it's a good idea.
2: I like what way you're thinking. Rich Eisen show. Always good stuff with Rich Eisen. He had Ian Rappaport on. And he broke down this Julio Jones thing. Because today it was blown up, you know, because he's on undisputed. Shannon Sharp calls him, whether it was fake or not. Well, I mean, it's real. He wants out of Atlanta. But whether the call was staged or not, that's debatable. It's one of those things. We'll never know unless Julio or Shannon tells us. Or maybe Skip. Maybe Skip will give it up. Regardless, Ian Rampport was on with Rich Eisen talking about Julio Jones.
5: Let's get into what you tweeted out uh, this very morning, that the All-Pro requested a trade from the organization a few months ago, according to sources. The team then agreed to listen to Offer. That's how it began and why it continues. Do we know why Julio requested a trade months ago? Yeah,
3: I mean, this seems to me – now. First of all, like you know, obviously this is something I've sort of, I would say, known, thought very strongly for a couple weeks, and I got this, you know, inclination during the draft when all of a sudden trade talks kind of popped up out of nowhere, and I never quite could confirm it, and then you know Julio going public today probably helped spur this spur this along a little bit, um, but you know this seems to me to be somewhat similar to the Matthew Stafford situation, right? Like. Stafford had played with the Lions. He had given everything. He had had some really, really good performances, played through injuries, uh, been through some stuff, some highs and some lows, and obviously Julio probably more highs than, than Stafford. But it just seems to be if the organization is, you know, they're not rebuilding in Atlanta, but they are definitely starting new. And I'm just not sure that he wanted to be a part of something starting new again. It feels like, he'd rather join the team that is already there and just kind of be the final piece to a championship. That is my sense of it. And you know, the, the he he's, you know, one of the greatest and has everything public and publicly and privately, whatever's going on with Julio has been a plus across the board and the Falcons are treating him like that. I was just to say he wants to trade and they're saying, all right, we will, because we respect you we see what
5: we can do. Well, and obviously there's no re- there's no reason to do it right away. Um certainly if the cap ramifications that the Falcons clearly knew were was coming even without the cap number being announced until March that right. the cap ramifications of trading him after June 1 and getting him someplace new then in time for training camp is so much better for the team. I mean, the amount of money that they would save on the cap, trading him after June 1 would pay for the rookies that you were reporting at the draft. They wouldn't be uh, able to pay even before they drafted him uh, because of the cap charge. So where does all that stand? What do you think is going on? The phone lines with Terry Fontenot, certainly now that Julio Jones has said the words publicly, albeit who knows if he knew he was saying it publicly at the time. He was saying it publicly. But uh, what do you think is happening right now,
3: Ian? So basically, when rumors come out that uh, a player could potentially be traded, teams start calling, right? And so generally, we see, like, trade rumor, and then it's like teams are fielding calls, right? Um, And I think with Julio, around the time of the draft that happened, the fact that he wasn't traded before the draft is not a great sign, because that would have been a perfect opportunity For a team that needed to fill a hole, like, trade for Julio now, know you have him, the trade is processed on June 2nd for for cap reasons and then kind of move on from there, that didn't happen. So for me, you know, if the Falcons are going to demand a lot, and I know that they are and should, then maybe a more likely situation is if someone has some sort of training camp injury and they feel like they have to trade for Julio, maybe that is eventually what gets it done.
5: But I mean, the problem with trading with, with just say, "Hey, we'll make the trade now," but we'll just we'll just process it on June second. Is you know, anything can happen to Julio Jones. God forbid, between May and, and June, and somebody's already gotten the draft choices. I mean, that's a very difficult thing to pull off in the NFL. We do see it a lot in the NBA. So, um, what do you think? The 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 uh, the cap. Charge is $15 million for whatever team that takes them on, according to Jeremy Fowler. Chargers, Colts, 49ers, Patriots are the teams that could just do it right now. They don't have to reconfigure anything on their cap. They could just make this deal and do it. And those are four teams that definitely fits the bill of Julio Jones wanting to be a piece to a possible championship puzzle. Do you think that's possible, Ian?
3: Um, I, I would also say, you know, if Julio does want out, which – Clearly he's interested in some level in a trade. My guess is he would probably redo his deal in a way that would make it more cap-friendly for a team. Um, So, Or, or, you know, we could also see what we've seen in the past, which is the Falcons would say, you know what, we have to get a first-round pick. It just has to happen. So we'll pay a little bit of the salary to make sure that it happens. Like, we've seen that too. So, you know, looking at the teams that could do it cap-wise, like, I think that eliminates too many because I think what we found, for better or worse, is that the teams in cap trouble are a lot of times the teams that are good, who have great players that they have to pay, and they somehow make it work. Like, I don't think the Falcons would ever trade them to the Saints. Like, why would you? Right. But the Saints have no cap space for the next 20 years, and they probably could make it work somehow. (laughs) They just always are able to. you know. So I I think if a team wants them, they'll figure out how to do it more than anything.
2: It's one of the best breakdowns I heard from Rich Eisen and Ian Rappaport about the Julio Jones situation. Again, yes, there's a salary cap, but there's ways around the salary cap. According to SpotRack, here's what would happen. This is after June 1st, trade to Julio Jones. 2021, here's what happens to the Falcons. $7.75 million dead cap hit. Saves them $15.3 million. 2022, $15.5 million dead cap. Still paying quite a bit of money, $3.7 saved. So you see why they want a number one pick. New team acquires, 2021, $15.3 million guaranteed for Julio Jones. 2022, $11.5 million, but only $2 million guaranteed. 2023, $11.5 million, no guarantees. So again, you're talking three years out at that point, whether you guys keep them or not, probably not at that salary. It's one of the best breakdowns. I've heard there from Rappaport. It's, it's, it's going to be interesting to see where he ends up. Could he end up with the Colts? Could he end up with the Ravens, the Titans? Because they didn't lose Corey Davis. The Titans could use another wide receiver to lose Jonu Smith, too. They can't always rely on Derrick Henry. Green Bay, please Aaron Rodgers. Make a deal for Julio Jones. Hey, we got Julio. You want to stay, Aaron? You going to knock off this Jeopardy crap and come play some ball? You know, what are they going to do? Not sure. 913 576 J Southland Toe Service Text Line. What's the worst thing you saw this weekend firsthand? Grant hopefully has something, but I have something I've been thinking of that was the worst thing I've seen this weekend. We discuss that next. Final segment, Big Good Night, J Bank with Grant Nicholson producing the operation. Before we get into the worst thing we saw this weekend, Stephen wants to talk uh, Julio Jones. What's up, Stephen and Lenexa?
3: Hey, what's up, man? How are you? Listen, um, you know, this thing about Julio Jones, um, Peter King says we're the best team in the National Football League. And, yes,
2: his power and that's ratings.
3: The pro- yeah, that's the, that's the problem with Kansas City is that everybody's going to buy into this and think, oh, it's just a fluke, the offensive line messed up and, and we lost the Super Bowl, but we're right now we're not good enough to beat Tampa Bay. We have to have someone bring the truth Did you say
2: that? Did you, say that? Did you say that when the Chiefs went down there and were kicking their ass in Tampa earlier in the year? <laughs> were you saying that? Well they were you saying they that they were
1: lucky they were lucky to win that game.
2: Did you see what Tyree Kill did himself in that they game?
1: Made a mistake when Steven,
2: you're always negative, man. Every time you call you're mad about something, man. You hate Kansas City. Won't you root for somebody else? Well, I guess you probably do. I like your calls, Stephen. But you're always mad about something, man. You're always bitter. Chiefs been the three straight AFC title games, two straight Super Bowls. I mean, that's you're you're calling out the wrong team. Yes, Peter King had him in his top ten, number one. He had Buffalo number three, Cleveland number four. I'm telling you, Peter King likes Cleveland like I do. He's got Baltimore seventh, Chargers tenth. Chiefs play the Bills week five. Cleveland week one. Baltimore week two. Chargers week three. By the way, the rest of the AFC West: Raiders twenty three, the Broncos twenty fifth. He had the Raiders ahead of them.
1: I mean, without Aaron Rodgers, I'm not sure that that's a wild assumption.
2: With Aaron Rodgers, it's a totally different story. Their top ten, <laughs> really? One guy would make fifteen spots in your power ranking. I get that. No, but Steven's always mad. Usually it's KU stuff. I think it's the same yeah. Steven, right? The calls by KU?
1: Probably. Sounds okay. like him.
2: No, Steven's fine. It's just that he's just negative.
1: I get it, man. Yeah, but you need some negativity sometimes. It's a good foil. I do, but we all saw You're the offensive line the was the reason sometimes.
2: they didn't win the Super Bowl. Big reason. They had no time. Mahomes was running for his life. They fixed it. The Buccaneers, that team. Last year, I mean, what did you say when the Chiefs beat them in Tampa? I mean, they, they played them twice last year, won one, lost one. Unfortunately, the one they lost was the Super Bowl. But don't give me that, that the Chiefs couldn't beat them. But the Buccaneers last year weren't even that great towards, till the end of the year. It took some time to gel for them. They didn't start off as wildfire. Matter of fact, I kept talking up the Bucs last year. Everybody's like, nah, they're going to falter, they're going to falter, they're going to suck. The Tampa Bay Buccaneers, they're not very good, they're going to lose. But you remember that team last year, I mean, they were no great shakes at the beginning. Now, after the bye week, they went four straight down the stretch until the postseason. But the Tampa Bay Buccaneers last year, a lot of people didn't like the Buccaneers. They were calling Tom Brady washed.
1: I definitely did not like the Buccaneers. I was not sold on them like midway through the year. The
2: record didn't indicate a good team early in the year. They didn't. Not only that, Tampa was was what, what, seven-win team two years ago. Obviously, things changed with the defensive line with Tom Brady and Gronk. But Tampa Bay, they didn't even win the division last year. They didn't even win their division. The Saints won their division. So, I mean, yeah, whatever. But they're a good team. I'll give you that. Worst thing I've seen this week. Last week it was the guy pouring the gas into the um, trash can at Quick Trip. Not the one up by the walk-in, but next to the gas pump, which was pretty stupid. But he did pack it up and put it in his trunk. his bag. Because I rarely do it, but I called him out. I said, what do you do do with someone, man? Puts their cigarette. What the heck sparks? What are you going to do, man? You catch this whole pump on fire? You be you, man, but that's dumb. It was the dumbest thing I saw all week. This week, when well, we got a text for shout out Shiny Mission East grads, shout out all the grads. Shout them all out. I went to a graduation yesterday. And it was outdoors as a sporting park. They're, they're doing a ton of graduations there, by the way. They had three in a row: Liberty North, Park Hill, Park Hill South. These Missouri schools, you know, over in Kansas. But it's a great venue to have it. It's outdoors, plenty of space. Did rain some. But the inevitable, and they used to do this at graduations, they used to say, hold your applause until the end. Like, hold your applause, because usually when these things are in gyms, there's always family members that think they need to stand up and yell or airhorn because they heard their kid getting out of high school, okay? There's no problem with celebrating your kid, no problem at all. But the problem is you're running it for the next kid that's behind him in line because you can't hear their name called because you're still carrying it on about your own selfish interest. But that's all they did. That's all they did yesterday. All the families, everybody? It, it's so annoying, man. Just hearing the pockets of people screaming mean, every damn time. There's like 500 kids in this class. Too. It was a lot, a lot of yelling. I thought it was back to my early raising my kid at a Hannah Montana concert. There was so much screaming and yelling. Couldn't believe it. Air horns. Yeah, you're close to somebody with an air horn? Because little Johnny just walked across the stage? I mean, honestly, who gives a crap, to be honest with you? Take him out to dinner, throw a party, give him money, whatever. But you don't need to scream and yell and run it for the other parents or grandparents there. They want to hear the name of their kid. Hold your applause till the end.
1: Wait two hours for graduation just to hear your kid's name drowned out by other cheers? But I'll be
2: honest with you, they didn't mention it. Like, they should have mentioned it. They didn't say anything at the top no, of the thing? like they hey, didn't.
1: Hold your applause. Unless
2: I missed it. Don't think so. But, when they, but, it, but it is outdoor venue, so it's a little bit different, but it's still loud as hell. Glad it wasn't indoors.
1: Probably would have left. They would have probably said something if it was indoors. They're in a massive stadium. Seats 20,000 people three times a month. <laughs> still the air horns and crap? Come on, man. It does sound kind of get off your Lonnie a little bit here.
2: I understand the celebration, but you understand you're running it for the next kid, Grant. How would your parents think? If the kid that went in front of you, the parents are all screaming and yelling and air horning, and you can't hear Grant Nicholson going I'm up the done line.
1: graduating. Eh, they don't have to worry about it.
2: That's right. Then you go off to K-State. Nice job by you. And great job tonight. Thanks to uh, Ron Copp for joining us at ZeroHeadPride.com. Festival in the morning, 558. Wake up then. See you.
1: On TuneIn, go to tunein.com or download the TuneIn app to start listening.
0: Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better